pick up where we left off last time. And uh, we were talking in Romans 1.8 about our testimony and how your testimony matters. Your testimony is important. We looked at verse 8. He says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. And I thought that was interesting that a church like this back in that day could have their faith and their testimony spread to the entire world without any kind of social media, any kind of internet, any kind of television, any kind of radio. It was just the fact that they were the right kind of people and they were doing the right kind of things the right way following God. And as they did that, people heard about them. Um, that's a good thing. Let's pray real quick. Father, we love you. Pray that you'd help us as we can continue hearing your word. I want you to bless this thing, God. I want you to help your people. Uh, the more important things than building programs and finances and all the rest of that stuff is this book in front of us. We need this, God. Every person in here needs help from you. And so we ask you to give it to us tonight. Give me wisdom and direction as I teach through this chapter. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So your testimony is extremely important. We talked about it last time, so I won't beat it to death. But your reputation does not matter. Uh, Jesus Christ made himself of no reputation. Worrying about what people think about you and all the rest of that stuff and whether or not they're criticizing you is neither here nor there. Uh, as a matter of fact, people are criticizing you. Guess what they'll criticize you for? Failure. You fail and people will criticize you for failing. Guarantee it. Everybody in the room is a failure somewhere or another in their life at some point or another. Every person in this room is a failure in some way, shape, or form. There's something else people will always criticize you for. You know what it is? Success. <laughs> so you can't win with people because they're human beings and they're fallen just like you. So quit worrying about your reputation. Quit worrying about what people think of you. But your testimony matters. I don't care about my reputation, but I do care about my testimony. And I care about your testimony. I'll tell you this much. I don't think God takes kindly to you assassinating somebody else's character by spreading gossip and rumors about them, even if they did fail and you got a good reason to talk about them. I don't think God takes kindly to you trashing other people, especially if they're saved. Uh, they're one of his kids. I got four. I know every one of my kids. I can spell out for you. If you put them up here in front of me right now and it was their wedding day, I would, I would have a bunch of great things to say about each kid and it wouldn't match what I said about the last kid. I've already been thinking about that stuff. Uh, unfortunately, she wants uh, me to be a part of that marriage ceremony and uh, you got to pray for me now that I'll make it through that because you ain't never seen a bigger sissy than me. I don't care what you see on Sunday morning when I'm preaching or tonight if I get going a little bit too much. Uh, you ain't never seen a bigger sissy than me, man. Uh, that's a big deal. I got a lot of good things I can say about that girl. Or young woman, excuse me. You're my girl. And you will be when you're 40. All right. Guess what else I know? I know every fault she's got. And she's my little junior in a female body. She's a lot nicer because she's female, but she's my little junior. I know every fault she's got. Guess what I won't do? I won't tell you. Ain't none of your cotton-picking business. And if you came to me about it, I'm going to say, what'd she do, illegal or immoral or unethical? I mean, is it something, this is really legit? Because if this is you just nitpicking at her, get out of my face. That's my kid. I don't care if you're right. You think about that for a sec. Don't you think God feels the same way about his kids? Don't you think God knows more about the person next to you than you do? I am not talking about keeping your mouth shut if this person's a, a stinking pervert. 
I'm not talking about keeping your mouth shut if something immoral or unethical is going on behind closed doors. I'm not talking about covering for somebody that's truly a dangerous individual. Not talking about turning a blind eye to sin. I'm talking about the regular faults that people got. You better be careful about that stuff. I know years ago somebody was in the church and this woman had a stinking hang up. And I think it's because she had a problem. Every man was a pervert. I don't like that guy. Something's wrong with him. What does that mean, sis? I don't know. Something about that guy. What are you saying? Well, I, I, don't, I didn't say anything. I, well, I never said that. Well, yes, you did. Well, no, that's not what I meant. But you said it in such a way as to lead people to believe something. You led their mind a direction on purpose to get them to think something about that individual because you don't like them. Did you hear what I just said about perverts? I'm a girl dad. I don't care. I mean, if it's legit... You are not gonna, you're not going to find me being very merciful. I, listen, no, let me say that better. You're going to find zero mercy in me for pedophiles. Zero. In my opinion, if I was the president or a senator or whatever, the death penalty is what they deserve. Zero mercy. I'm talking about somebody you don't like that you're trying to ruin their testimony because you don't like them or you got a hang up. You got a problem. I don't think God takes kindly to that. Ecclesiastes 10.20, don't turn there because I'm going to try to move tonight, but curse not the king and know not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber, for a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. You will be shocked at how the things you say get back. I think the devil makes sure things get back. A testimony of a church is a very important thing. A testimony of a Christian is a very important thing. The world is already looking to try to punch holes in your testimony because something about you when you're born again is different than about everybody else. There's something different about walking into this building than walking into your workplace or walking into Kroger or walking into Walmart when all these people, they want to be here. You're pulling in and we're seeing the, the, the long kids. The longs are back. Glad you guys are back. We missed you. The long kids are booking towards the church, man. They're just like, oh. The girl's like, oh, look at them. They're so cute. The longs are back. It's just, there's just a different spirit about this place. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, when you go around trashing people's testimony, I don't think God takes kindly to that. You better be careful about what you say. You better be careful talking bad about your husband or about your wife. Yeah, you go through rough spots. Who doesn't? You know why God said a bishop's to be the husband of one wife? Meaning when a guy swears a vow of celibacy, he's not qualified for the ministry. According to the Bible. How's he going to preach at you about a marriage if he ain't had to deal with a woman for 20 years and she ain't had to deal with him too? It goes two ways. I get that. How's he going to help you in your marriage? How's he going to preach these passages? He's just going to say, well, you're supposed to forgive and you're supposed to love and you're supposed to love and you're supposed to forgive. I'm like, duh, I already know that. <laughs> we need like real help. <laughs> better be careful about trashing people you love. Even if you don't love them anymore. All right, verse 9, let me get going. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit. How to serve God. You don't serve God with the flesh. Notice he said, my spirit. That's, that's not necessarily the spirit of God. That's not a capital S. Paul is putting his heart, his soul, his spiritual being into following God in the gospel of his son. You serve God from the heart. 
Serving God is a spiritual thing, and it's in the gospel. That without ceasing, notice this, it's in prayer. I make mention of you always, uh, in, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Somebody asked one of the deacons for a, a, a list of the members so they could pray for them. He said, let me check with pastor and make sure it's all right. I said, yeah, it's all right. You got your address on it or your social security numbers. Relax. It's okay. I said, yeah, give them a list. Let them pray for everybody. You ought to be praying for each other. We ought to be praying for Ramona. Every day of your life, there's no excuse. I'm sorry. I mean, he said making mention of you in my prayers. He didn't say he knelt down and went over all the churches in Rome and all the, church in, all the members of the church in Rome and all the members of the church in Corinth and every member of the church in Ephesus and prayed like deep prayers for every individual. He said, I make mention of you in my prayers. Like every day I am praying for you. I'm praying for you by name every day. And guess what God does when you do that? God will stop you on a person or two. You'll know, like, oh, you'll remember, like, oh, yes, Pastor made an announcement about Ramona. We need to stop and and pray for her. Oh, yes, I remember Bonnie. We sent out prayer requests for Bonnie's son and Bonnie's nephew, and I need to pray for her. And then the Lord will guide you in your prayers, but you ought to be praying. You're talking about about serving God. You know one thing your flesh does not want to do? Your flesh does not want to pray. Does your flesh really like to take gospel tracts and pass them out to people? Can I give you something that tells you what the Bible says about going to heaven? I'd like to give you something that invites you to my church. You don't like that, right? That's a lot easier because you just do that and get out. And you make sure you do it to the right person, you know? You always profile the individual before you give it to them. And then you run because you know you'll never have to see them again. Your flesh can handle that more than it can handle 10 or 15 minutes in prayer. There must be something pretty powerful about prayer. If God tells us to do it and it's all over your Bible and it's a spiritual thing that your flesh does not want to do, it's not that difficult. Not, not for the flesh. It's just not, you kneel down, you know, I mean, you, don't, you can even sit there and pray. You can pray while you're driving. You can do all kinds, you know, everybody's like, do you have to actually get down and pray? I recommend it. You should have a certain amount of time every day where you just focus and block everything else out. But you can pray while you're driving to work. But you don't want to. You'd rather listen to that trash on the radio or whatever you're streaming on your phone. Why? Because prayer is powerful. Samuel said, God forbid that I should sin against God in ceasing to pray for you. (laughs) You mean it's a sin against God? Yeah, I, I think for me as a pastor, it's a sin against God if I quit praying for you. I believe that part of my job description, the ministry of the word and what? Prayer. I think it's a powerful thing we ought to be doing. Look at verse 10, making request. If by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. So when he's praying, he's requesting something of God. So he's praying for them, and then he's asking God for something he wants. And what he wants from God is he wants God to give him a prosperous journey to go to them. But notice, notice that phrase, by the will of God. So as he's praying, he's making mention of them. And then he's like, God, I'd really like to get to Rome if it's your will. That's the way to pray. If it's your will. You have requests for God? Hello, I mean, do you have any requests for God? You ought to have some requests for God, by the way, if you don't, because you're looking at me like, I got some requests. Yeah, one of the things I'm requesting is not just, you know, to get the project done. I'm praying that just the money comes in, we just pay it off real fast and move on to the next phase. Amen? Yeah. And then I say, if it's your will. 
because maybe God's like, no, nah, I don't think that would be great. I think what you need to do is you need to pull the loan. You need to get the job done. You need to stretch the finances and you need to uh, have the people come on board and start doing what they're supposed to do. And then you need to work and pay it off. And then once you earn it, then you go to the next step. Isn't that how you train your kids? Yes, sir. I mean, that's how kids used to get trained years ago. That's how it was for us. Friends went on vacation and we didn't. Friends went out to eat and we didn't because we weren't there yet. My preacher said, you don't get to start where mama, grandma, and papa left off. Nowadays they think they can, you know, they just credit everything. But don't you earn, maybe that's God's will. I still ask. (laughs) But I don't get mad if he says no. I say if it's your will because I know God knows better than I do. I'm I'm not asking for it for me. I'm not asking for it for my house. I'm not asking for it for my problem. I'm asking for it for the ministry. I want it for this church. And maybe, so so my motives are not like selfish for my own pocket. My motives are, Lord, we're packed out and we're growing and souls are getting saved and you've really been blessing. And, you know, I always said when Wednesday night looks like Sunday morning, well, you know, five or ten years ago, Sunday morning looked like this. Five years ago. And this is a little bit down tonight from what it has been lately. That's scaring me half to death. I'm like, what are we going to do, Lord? But guess what? Not my will. Because God knows better than I know. It's not my job to build the church. It's his job. It's my job just to give you Bible and just keep giving you Bible and keep praying for you and be there for you and just live my life with you as we try to serve Jesus Christ. And it's literally that simple. The rest of it's on him. Whatever your will is, give it to God. That's what Paul was doing. Look at verse 11. For I long to see you. Look at Paul's heart. I long to see you. Now it's inspired scripture, so Paul wasn't lying. The Holy Ghost saw Paul's heart longing to get there and look at his motive for getting there, that I may get a large love offering. That I might build my social media base and get more clicks and likes and listens online. Paul had no personal motive about getting to Rome. Paul was not worried about himself. He said, I want to impart unto you some spiritual gift for the purpose, to the end. The goal of what I want to do is to help you be established. I'm I'm coming and I want to come and I'm begging God by His will to allow me to come because I just want to help you get something spiritual that will get you established and strengthen you in your walk with Jesus Christ. You guys realize that is all that matters What's going to matter to you 100 years from right now? You going to care about good news from the doctor? You going to care about a raise? You going to be worrying about the economy? (laughs) Stressed about your kids? What's going to matter 100 years from right now? Your walk with the Lord. That's the only thing that really matters. The rest of this is all temporary, you understand? And I know it's painful and hard and scary sometimes, and it's wonderful and great and, and, and heartwarming and, and all that stuff sometimes. Some of you young folks are so full of hopes and dreams, and I want you to be, I think you should be. I'm not here to bash your hopes and dreams. Nothing is more awesome. Literally, one of the greatest joys in my entire life, marriage and children. I, I got to say that because I say so much about marriage, like you, you would think that I like. 
one of the greatest things ever happened to me was her and those kids. I know some of you want to grow up and get married. You should. But let me tell you something. More important than getting married or having kids, you better be walking with Jesus Christ and you better find some knucklehead who is too. Because without him, the most heartbreaking and destructive and damaging thing you can ever go through is the wrong spouse and kids that are the wrong kind of kids because you messed it up. I didn't say the wrong kind of kids because they're idiots. I said the wrong kind of kids because you messed it up. Your relationship with the Lord is the most important thing, and Paul understood that. Verse 12, that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Guess who the comforter is? That's the Holy Spirit of God. John 14, John 15, God, John 16, write them down and go read them later. He's the comforter. That's the Holy Spirit. Paul wanted to give them comfort, but guess what Paul experienced when he showed up spiritually imparting gifts to other people and he saw those people growing and their response to the truth, it comforted him. It's just a comfort to walk in and see Grandma Ferguson. And she said, you better give it a double. I haven't been here on a Wednesday night in a long time. I said, that means two hours of preaching. She said, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) uh-huh. You say, oh. Two hours. Well, it really encouraged me that she ain't getting on me about how long I preach. That was a comfort to me. That was a real comfort to me when I'm, you know, frustrated about this thing to have Brother D call me and say, Hey, preacher, I was reading my Bible. Will you go read this passage? Look what the Lord showed me. The cruise of oil didn't fail. And God kept meeting that woman's need and she kept pouring it out. And God kept showing up, showing up, and showing up, and showing up to meet that woman's need as she just kept serving God. God's just going to show up and keep meeting the need. That's what he told me. He said, I was up till 4 a.m. I said, great, I was up at 3.30. He said, I was praying for you. I saw him yesterday, and he said, yeah, I woke up at 3.30 today because I was worried about you not sleeping. So I woke up at 3.30 today, too. He's like, yeah, I figured. (laughs) He's up praying for me in the middle of the night because he knows me. How comfort that is. We're over at his work, and he's like, hey, I want to introduce you to this guy. And he introduced me to a 60-something-year-old guy. So I've been listening to you on the Internet because he's not ashamed of the gospel or his pastor. You got, you got no idea what a comfort that stuff is. It's, it's just a mutual thing the Holy Spirit of God starts doing, and those are the three deacons I just named you. And now you know why they're deacons. And they've been here a long time and know all my faults and all the, all the things. I'm probably too much myself around those guys. They know everything about me, good and bad. And they comfort me and help me. And I preach at them. <laughs> and I hope, I hope I give them some of that back. I don't know, but it sure is a blessing, man. That's the way God works. And that's what Paul's wanting to do. Look at verse 13. By the way, God spoke to me the next morning. Solomon purposed in his heart that he would build a house unto the Lord our God. I said, all right, we're going to try to push this thing and get it done then. Isn't that great? <laughs> Isn't that a blessing? Man, I can't imagine having a bunch of deacons that are, you know... The devil. <laughs> we need a meeting. I had it one time for six months. That's how long it lasted. Six months. And then I quit because they were going to fire me. No, really. They were going to fire me. So they wanted to meet with me before church. I said, no, nah, we'll meet after. And they were mad. They tried to stood by the door when I walked in, tried to block me from getting through the fellowship hall into the sanctuary. I was like, get out of my way. I was 27 back then. I would not do this today. I would have just hit him today. But back then I was nice, you know. <laughs> 
I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. I said, get out of my way. Understand? I said, I'm serious. Get out of my way. And I, I, I know I just did it. I, I should have done it. But like a trick I learned a long time ago on the street, street preaching, you know, when they jump in your face and get aggressive. If you fold the Bible like this, even though it's soft, I'll do a lot of damage to the lips and nose. You know what I mean? And I just folded my Bible like, what are you doing, man? You can't do that in church. And I walked through them and got in the pulpit and preached. And they sat there. And I, said, I told them, I'll meet you after church. And then I said, all right. Uh, I gotta gotta go because I got a deacon's meeting. But before I do, here's my resignation letter. <laughs> they lost it. <laughs> they were so mad because they wanted to fire me. I didn't give them the privilege, you know. Can't imagine having to live with that. What a blessing when God gives me some people with a mutual faith, and they say, "Preacher, we're just get through it. Don't worry about it." Not sitting me down. Well, why didn't you figure that out beforehand before we got to this point? What about this and what about that? They're just like, well, you couldn't have seen it coming and neither could they. And don't worry about it. God will provide. What a blessing, man. So I slept like a baby last night. I slept too long. Hallelujah. Verse 13. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I was purposed to come unto you. He said, I want you to know I was, I was coming. That I might have some fruit also among you, even as also among other Gentiles. He said, I was purposed to come unto you. Watch it, but was let hitherto. See that phrase? That word let in the Old English means to leave undone. Uh, in the noun form, it's stoppage, obstruction, hinder, delay, impede, make late, or hold back. You know where I got that from? You know where I got it from? Well, I'm thinking, you know... I'm the man of God, the man of the cloth, so I know the original languages. I got that from an English dictionary. Yeah. You mean God wrote the Bible so that even the King James Bible, the one you shouldn't be correcting, so you can learn it too? Sure, get a Webster's 1828 dictionary of the English language and just look it up when you run into an archaic word. (laughs) There's nothing in here, there's nothing in this Bible that you can't figure out with a dictionary. But they tell you it's too hard for you to understand and you got to go to them and they'll tell you the original languages and all that garbage. It's all, you know what it is? They're professors. I'll get to that in a minute. They're frauds. They're fakes. Because the honest truth is they know that there isn't an original around anywhere. The originals all are gone and destroyed. They know it for a fact. And they know that all the originals that they have are copies of copies of copies of copies of copies that have been passed down. And on top of that, they know all the originals don't agree with each other. Yeah, I know two because I had them. I took them. I, t- I took the Greek. I didn't take Hebrew. I took it. And I knew what a fraud they were. And I wound up having to leave that big box Bible college before they kicked me out. So I see, I see my pattern? <laughs> You're not kicking me out. I'm kicking you out. Goodbye. I'm leaving. <laughs> you know? uh, so, uh, yeah. Why? Because I was asking questions. That's all. Literally. That's all. I just asked questions. And when he said, well, this shouldn't be rendered this, look at the Greek word for this, and you see the different definitions and you know, all that stuff. And I said, yeah, but isn't, I mean, I, I distinctly remember the one day I said, yes, sir. I said, yes, sir, but if you keep looking down here at the different definitions, you notice that one down here at the end matches the one in the King James Bible. And when the same Greek word appeared in this passage, it was actually translated different. But if you look at the context, the reason they chose that word is because that makes sense there. But over here, the other, it didn't make sense, so they chose that definition over here. So what I was, I don't know if I lost you or not, but what I was showing them was when the King James translators picked the ones they picked, they were directed by God because they got the right definition. There wasn't a mistake there at all. And I remember that guy standing there and he just started, his, his, his 
starting right here. It turned red, and it went all the way up like that, and it just kept going up. I was watching it. I was watching it rise. He was flushed, and he started sweating, and he said, Speak to me after class, young man. And I'm like, why? I hadn't been right with God very long. I had fought God hard about being a preacher. And I got right, and I went down there, and I still had some rough edges that definitely needed to get knocked off. So God sent me from the big box Bible college with the professors over to a, to, a, to a guy in the mountains in North Carolina who had an earned doctor's degree in a Bible institute and was an ex-Marine. And he knocked off the rough edges, I'll guarantee you that much, and taught me the Bible. And taught me I don't have to correct my Bible, and I don't ever have to undermine it. And that I can teach people to believe the Bible they got in their laps and I can just teach them that book and I'll help establish them in the faith and comfort them that they got the words of God in their own life. That's what he did for me. I want to do that for you. So don't change your Bible when you come across a word like let. Just don't be lazy. Go look it up. He says in verse 14, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. What's he in debtor for? Paul says, I owe, I owe everybody something. Dumb people and smart people, educated people and uneducated people, barbarians. I kind of like the barbarians, you know, the Celtics, you know, chest-beating Neanderthals, roughnecks. And yeah, and to, the, and to the educated people, to the socially upstanding, the Greeks with their education. And we talked about that in, in Corinthians, you know all the education they had, how much they were like modern-day America, especially around here in the, in the burbs, you know. I, I owe them all. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what your background is. I don't care how much money you do or don't have. I don't care how smart you are or aren't. I don't care if you're cool or not cool, accepted other places or made fun of other places. When you come in here, if you want the Bible, and if you love the Lord Jesus Christ and that's what you want, then that's all that matters when you come in here. And if you're going to be a knucklehead, then get out. You're not here to teach or change our doctrine or challenge us on stuff. And we're not, I don't put up with it. I never have, and I'm not going to because we got peace around here. And we got a book that's doing great things for us. And we got a Savior doing great things for this church. And we got a bunch of people that just leave each other alone and accept each other and try to grow in Jesus Christ. And where the Spirit of God is, there's supposed to be liberty and peace and unity. And we're not turning it into nothing else. And I'll fight to keep it peaceful. Amen. <laughs> Figure that out if you can. But that's the way it has to work sometimes. So when we got to fight, we fight. Because the peace is that important. God's working, man. Tatum come into my office. Uh, it was that Sunday night, right? And uh, trusted Jesus Christ as a Savior. Wants to get baptized, man. I, that, that, I'll say kid because he's not here, but I he could probably beat me up. He's bigger than I am already, but he's 14 years old. He's young enough to be my kid. That kid broke my heart, man. I mean, I think he was as serious as he could possibly be, and I want you all to pray for him. I want God to do some great things for him. What a blessing, man. All right, so God's working, so we're going we're gonna to stay focused on that. And we owe him all something. So as much as in me is, see Paul's heart again? He said, I'm a debtor. I owe them all. What do I owe them? I owe them all with everything in my soul. I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. He's a debtor to the whole world to give him the gospel. You ever look at lost people like that? 
You ever look at the cashier you see every week? See, how many people see the same cashier every week at your local grocery store? Let me see your hands. Regularly. I mean, not every week, regularly, right? You ever stop and think I own something? Yeah. That, that at the great white throne judgment, when they're getting cast into hell and I'm not, they're going to look over and see me. Just, I'm just asking. Just something to think about and pray about. Verse 16, here's the problem. Here's why most of us, and I'm with you on it, okay? I'm not talking down to you. We get embarrassed. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You ever get embarrassed of the reproach of Christ? Come on, be honest, I do. Nothing's more awkward than being a preacher. I'm telling you, it's awkward. You walk into the funeral and you're carrying a Bible and you're the minister and they all think something of you, man. They all think you're just, like, they, once they know you're a preacher or they see the Bible, they think you're just not human anymore. Like, whoop, they just freeze up. And every word that comes out of their mouth, everything they do, and it's, it's some of it's respect and some of it's like they don't know and some of it's preconceived notions. Some of it's they lump you in with the priest and the, I mean, God help us, you know what I mean? Contemporary, modern day, effeminate preachers and, you know, they, they just, they, they think, you know, they, they, who knows what's going on in their mind? It's an embarrassment. I was actually uh, uh, training a little bit of jujitsu today with my neighbor and another guy. They're both cops. And I told them, I said, I try to make sure I never come across like your preconceived notion of a preacher. <laughs> I said, I'm not talking about the morality, the ethics, the belief system. I'm not embarrassed of that, any of that. But I'm talking about what you think a preacher is. And they're like, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't. I said, okay, good. I just want to make sure. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing aggravates me more. I'm not embarrassed of Jesus Christ. That's really, I'll bet you anything, I'm giving you a break. I'll bet you anything, that's not really the problem. The problem is, you're worried about what they're thinking of you. That goes back to reputation. But when you are bold about Jesus Christ, that's a testimony. A testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. I know where I'm going when I die. Do I have a couple more minutes? I took too long on the announcements. I'm sorry. I didn't start till eight thirty to eight uh, seven thirty. You all right? Yeah. I want to respect your time, and I want you to come back next week. So I don't want to keep you too long. Give me a couple more minutes, or a few more minutes. Verse seventeen: For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, "The just shall live by faith." Now, what he quoted, you can look it up later, is Habakkuk two four. If you write that reference down and you go look at it. Habakkuk 2, 4 says, the just shall live by his faith. Now, here's what the Bible correctors tell you. Well, see, here it was translated, the just shall live by faith. Over here, it's the just shall live by his faith. So it's really not that big of a deal. They just dropped one word. We do the same thing. No big deal. Major deal. Because in the New Testament, you don't live by your faith. In the Old Testament, it was his faith. Christ hadn't died on the cross yet. So if he turned from his faith, and I got a thousand, not a thousand, but a bunch of passages I could turn you to, but we don't have time. When you look at the Old Testament, if a man turned from his faith and dies in his sin, he dead and went to hell. In the New Testament, if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you, use, you use, lose your rewards, you use your millennial inheritance, and we'll look at it when we go through Revelation. It goes on past the millennium. Some stuff's going to be going on that eternity future. You've got to look at when it actually starts. 
there's a period in there that's a pretty long period after the millennial kingdom where you're still actively doing some stuff before eternity future begins and we don't really have a lot about that. God doesn't give it to us yet. But God's got a lot planned for you. I have not seen nor ear heard neither entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. So your works as a saved person do matter. They're going to matter a lot 100 years from now. And for most of us, 50 years from now. A lot. But if you don't do it to stay saved, your salvation's wrapped up in Jesus Christ. You're eternally secure. So he purposely left it out. That's why every word of God is pure. You don't change your Bible. You study it as it is, and it's amazing how you're like, wow. God knew what he was doing. Verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Watch it. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. The wrath of God's revealed from heaven. So the wrath of God's going to fall on what? Uh, 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 well, I won't leave you out in the dark because there's more than one answer. What I'm driving at is that the wrath of God falls on every lost man, lost woman, lost child alive. If they die without Jesus Christ, once they're to the age of accountability, since I said child, before that they go straight to heaven. But after the age of accountability, if a child dies without Christ, they go to hell. The wrath of God's against every one of them. Look at the last part of verse 18. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now what I'm going to show you as we go down through here is that every human being on the planet has a certain amount of truth in them naturally from day one. Every person. God put it in them. So nobody's going to get to heaven and look at God and say, how could you throw somebody like that in hell? They really didn't have much of an opportunity to hear the gospel. You will never call God out on being unfair, unjust, or wrong. Right now as a human, you might not understand some of the doctrine, but I'll show you as we go through the Bible, it makes a lot of sense and you'll understand it and you'll look at God a whole lot better. And you'll recognize the personal responsibility every individual has on the planet. Watch verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest where? In them. Naturally. It is natural for every human being to have some level of truth inside of them from the get-go. Kids naturally realize that there's a God. Heathens on the other side of the world that don't know anything about your lifestyle know it's wrong to steal your neighbor's wife, to kill somebody, or to steal their potatoes or their pig. It's naturally in their hearts. Everybody. Lost man can do something wicked, and guess what they know? Fornicate, whatever else it is. You know what they know? They get around me, and like, I mean, I had one recently say, I've never been to church in my life, I don't trust them. But I'm thinking about coming to your church because I trust you. Never been to church in his life. You know what he knows when he's talking to me? I'm a sinner. Yeah. I've had bikers, I mean a lot of them. Yeah, I want to come to your church, but if I walk in, the building will start on fire. Lightning will strike. Why are you saying that? Right. Why did you just say that? You're a lost man who views the world completely differently than I do, and you don't know a thimble full of Bible. You probably don't even know John 3.16 or couldn't quote the whole verse. <laughs> Why did you, how did you know that? Naturally know you're a sinner. Naturally know it's wrong to be a dopehead. Naturally know it's wrong to fornicate. Naturally know it's wrong to steal, to be violent. Naturally know it's wrong to cuss. How do you naturally know that? 
unless God put it in you from get-go. And God's put it in every single person. Watch what happens. For God has showed it unto them. Verse 20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You know what he just gave you right there? A great definition of science. And a great definition of faith. People think that because oh, you're people of faith, that that means you just run with your heart and just don't have a brain at all and just believe whatever because I just have faith. Well, you know, that might be the modern-day church, you know, faith, love, and hope. You know, okay, define all of that for me, if you would, please. What, what are we talking about? No, when you have faith in God, what you have is sound, it's solid, it's logical, it's scientific, and it's great education. The invisible things, faith, right, can't see it, of Him. From what? From the data. From the data. You get the details and you collect the details and you look at the data and then you come to a conclusion from the things that are made, from the creation of the world, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Guess what? If we don't mow the grass, if we don't maintain the building, it falls apart. Nothing is evolving around you. They say they believe in evolution, but they're worrying about pollution. They say they're believing in evolution, but they're worrying about the water and they're worrying about global warming and they're worrying about the ozone and they're worrying about and worrying and worrying. And worrying. What are you worrying about, man? If you really believe in evolution, you cotton-picking liar who brainwashed an entire generation of young people to not even believe there's a God, no moral compass, do whatever you want, and then we're like, oh, what are we going to do? The world's falling apart. It's a lie. It's a straight-up lie because you're denying what you know is fact and real science. Because that, verse 21, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful. But became vain in their imaginations and watch it, their heart gets blackened. Their foolish heart was darkened. So they didn't know God. Something about you says I shouldn't fornicate, but you go do it anyways. Something about you says I shouldn't steal, but you steal anyways. Something about you says I shouldn't lie, but you lie anyways. And then somebody comes along and says, that's wrong. And you say, don't tell me what to do. Because you love your sin and you don't want the truth. So you get that, they get that mad response, that angry response. You know what that is? That's you just touch something really tender. You just stuck your finger in a wound. And that wound is the Spirit of God telling them they're wrong. And so they get mad at the preacher. Excuse me. I've had people so mad at me, it's not even funny. I don't even know them from Adam. First time here, walking out the door. Some woman went online and said, I had the worst church experience of my life today. And they give us bad ratings and, you know, Facebook thing. We got off Facebook. They can't get us on Facebook now. We got off it. The worst church experience of my life. I said, well, praise the Lord. I didn't like her either. <laughs> she was sitting back there like two or three times starting to stand up like she was going to get out. And I'm shaking her face. I'm like, oh, get out of here. Like, stinking. What do you want? What do you want me to do? Relax. I don't know you from Adam. Like, I'm attacking you. What are you so upset about? You're under conviction and you don't like it. It's what it is. You know, walk by and do this to me. Like, if, if you're my wife or one of my daughters, then it's going to bother me if you're upset. But outside of that, like, don't even think that kind of body language is going to get to me. It's not my problem. God bless your husband. I feel sorry for him. 
What's that thing that wasn't personal? That was conviction. They blow up on, yo, you Jesus freaks. That's somebody that's, do you know what? There's somebody there's still hope for them. Did you know that? I know you give up on them, but I don't. There's still hope for them. I told a couple of them recently that I think pretty much shut me down. I said, I don't care, man. I'm still your friend. I know that. That's why I talk to you. Good. You don't have to agree with me. And by the way, if you ever change your mind, you got my number. Why? Because I want, I want to see them come back around, man. Maybe something will happen and they'll get ready, and I want to be the guy that's there to help them. I'd like to see them sit in my church pew, not somebody else's. Church is great if they're in the right kind of church. It doesn't have to be mine, but I, I want to see them in mine. <laughs> Look at verse 22, professing themselves to be wise. And that's where you get your professors from. They're wise and they're giving you education. The word professor is in your Bible. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And every idle word that a man shall speak, he shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. They're going to step before the great white throne judgment. God's going to say, what did you do back there on earth? And they're going to say, I was a professor at college. And I taught him to not believe in you. And he's going to say, you are a what? A professor. Did you ever look into my word and see what my word says about professors? You know, definition, I looked up these definitions. Professing is pretending. Claiming something they don't have. This is some of the definition. There's more. It's to say something, sometimes in a way that is not sincere. Claim that one has a quality or feeling, especially when it's not the case. That's my professor. Well, my professor said, you kids listen to me. When you go to school, you respect them for the position that they're in. You understand me? You don't go in there and be like, well, my preacher says you're wrong. and My parents don't agree with you. You'd be a little brat because you'll never see them get saved like that. Uh, submit to that authority unless they ask you to do something against God or the Bible. You understand me? But understand that when they tell you there's no God and they tell you you evolved from an ape, they don't believe what they're saying. And if they do, it's because they have sinned to the point where they become a reprobate mind and they can't think clearly anymore because they've rejected what God naturally put in them. Verse 24, so verse 23, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So when they stop worshiping God, the glory of the uncorruptible God, they go first into what? Into the image made like the corruptible man. So that's humanism. They worship themselves, their education, and mankind's ability to fix all of mankind's problem and love and peace, and we're all one, and all the rest of that foolishness. And from there, they continue to devolve. It's devolution, not evolution. All because they didn't want an authority telling them they're a sinner. And they didn't like the fact that he put naturally inside of them an understanding that they're wrong. And they didn't want to stop their sin. So they push away the light and the truth God gives them. So it goes from, from God to man to beasts. And to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Down to bugs. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. That's all form of wicked sexuality. And it gets worse and worse and worse and worse as time goes on. Uh, before long, they will try to legalize pedophilia. And that's not where it stops. 
You ever study Greek mythology and see the hybrids, human and animal? Do you understand your Bible and what God did to drown the world out in Genesis 6 and why? Do you know why God told Israel to go in there and wipe out the Canaanites and the Amorites because of the things they were doing and what had been going on in that land and kill the animals? And people say, what a vile God. How would he have them do that? Don't you know the amount of pollution that had taken place and God didn't want that pollution in Israel? Stupid fools judging God like that. I'm not trying to be mean. I know you don't do that. I'm not calling you a stupid fool unless you're judging God like that. Then you're a stupid fool. Only a stupid fool would tell a holy God he's wrong. Because their little human mind doesn't understand why God would say, do what he wanted them to do in the Old Testament. That God of the Bible is a bloody God. Yeah, did you ever see how bloody his son was? For your sin? How could you judge a God like that when he bruised his own son and beat his own son and had his own son nailed to a cross and then he descends into earth to put your sin there, rises again the third day and says, all you got to do is put your faith in me, admit you're wrong and I'm right. Admit without me you're not going to heaven. Accept my son as your savior. That's all you got to do. And then they sit back and judge a God like that. Blows my mind. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who's blessed forever. Amen. They worship themselves. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. When did God give them up? After they'd made choice, after choice, after choice, after choice, after choice, after choice, after choice to ignore God. So the Calvinists are stupid. We'll get into that more later, but they're the ones that say God sat in eternity past and he picks who can and can't get saved because God gave them up and their vessels fit for destruction. I'll show you. We'll get into it in more detail when we get there. I don't have time tonight. I've got to let you get out of here. But, but after God dealt with them, 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 and they said, no, 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 no. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Leave me alone, God. I want to do it. Back off of me. God said, all right, fine. I'm done dealing with you. And his spirit gives up on them. And so they don't feel bad anymore. They'll shoot you right in the face because of what you represent and think they did something good. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust one to another, men with men working that which is unseemly. Doesn't make any sense at all. And receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which is meat. Okay, now we'll get this one pulled down by the YouTube morons. They do it again. They do it again. I'm done with that YouTube page. You can find us on Sermon Audio. Do you guys know what AIDS was when it first came out? GRID. Gay-related immune deficiency. That's it. God said, I gave them the recompense, the reward for their error, which is meat. It was appropriate. Likewise, the women also in verse 26. And the natural use. You know, it's natural for a woman to want to get married and have kids. Back in the day, folks, it was single moms raising the kids. Because dads were deadbeat idiots like men are, and men tend to be more selfish and self-centered and just throw up their hands and walk away, but a woman won't leave her babies. God bless single mothers that are in church trying to raise their kids for God. You've got a tough job. You've got to wear two different hats at one time. And I pray for you, and God bless you, and if your kids give you a hard time, let me know. I'll... I'll, no, I won't, but I want to slap them for you, you know. <laughs> but nowadays, you got mamas walking away from their kids. Girls don't even want, I don't want to have babies. I hate kids. Something's wrong with you. 
You don't have to be kid crazy and want to have 18. Some people are, and if they do, that's their business. I don't care. I don't have to pay for them. It's not my problem, you know. <laughs> have as many as you want. But something's wrong with you if you're a female and you don't, I don't want to have kids. I hate babies. Now, I haven't heard anybody here say that. So if you did or if you told my wife, she didn't tell me, okay? So it's not a shot at you. But the natural thing is for a woman to want to have kids and a husband. Not nowadays. Verse 28, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. See it? They didn't want him in their head. They didn't want him in their heart. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. A choice they made, 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 pushed away, pushed away, pushed away, till God said, fine, I'm done. My spirit shall not always strive with man to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate. Turn on your television and you watch the news and you know what they do? Fine upstanding in suits and dresses. They debate, 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 debate. And that's what gets people to keep watching. And God said that's a problem in your hearts. Deceit. Everything's a lie nowadays but the Bible. Seems like everybody's a liar. Malignity. It's like a tumor eating them up from the inside out. It's bitterness and anger. Whispers. Talking about you behind your backbiters, behind your back. Haters of God. Despiteful, proud, boasters. In, as Facebook, Instagram. <laughs> Inventors of evil things. Disobedient to parents without understanding. They don't get it. They don't obey their moms and dads. You still living in your parents' house? You still paying your bills? Do what they tell you to do. I don't care if you're a teenager. I don't care. Well, they don't recognize that I'm grown up now. No, you're not, you little brat. Because <laughs> if you were grown up, you'd do what the rest of us grown-ups do and say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am to our authorities. That's how we keep a job, stupid. I mean, honey, dear, darling, youngin, youngin, young man. <laughs> you're not grown up. Obey your parents. They're not always right. God wants to see what you're going to do. Whether you'll submit to authority when they're wrong, God might not even care that they're wrong. Well, they misunderstood me. God might not even care. He knows they're human. You may be watching to see your response. Verse 31, without understanding, covenant breakers, without, without natural affection, implacable means they won't change. They won't bend. Can't get along with them. They won't see it from somebody else's perspective. There's no compromise or meeting them in the middle. Unmerciful who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Paul didn't say you should kill them. You're in the New Testament. He said they're worthy of it under the Old Testament law. Aren't you glad you're in the New Testament? He said not only do those things, but have pleasure in them that do them. You shouldn't be looking at that stuff on the Internet, watching people do stuff that God says is filthy. But you say you're not. God says you're guilty of it when you watch them do it. Hello. All right, on that pleasant note, I do want to stop and say that I'm sorry. I will try my best not to let it be 823 again on a Wednesday night. I appreciate your patience tonight. And uh, we'll start into Romans chapter 2 next week. All right, let's pray and we'll go ahead and be dismissed.